Thank you for tuning in. This is episode eight of the Plot Podcast. Today I'm joined by Liana Gavidia. Hi. Liana is a former horse jumper, horse trainer, horse rider, uh, horse influencer. Extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. <laughs> Thank you for coming on today, Liana. Thanks for having me. All right. So give the viewers a little bit of the backstory in your life growing up um, and then how you kind of got into horses. So I started when I was four. Um, I did pretty much like everything you can do like on the planet. Like when it comes to sports, I did ballet, I did gymnastics, I did track, soccer, basketball. Like I did literally everything. And then I had always loved horses. I used to run on my hands and feet like a horse. This is actually how my content started and all of that. Like I was the original horse girl. Um, so as a four-year-old, I used to like run around the house like a horse. And one day I told my mom, I was like, mom, I want to ride horses. She was like, oh, really? You want to ride horses? Now, I think my mom had a basic idea of like what goes into the horse world where a lot of people kind of overlook it. They don't really know how deep into the world it goes. But she, she was like, all right, fine. You want to ride horses? She sent me to a camp in the middle of the summer. And it was like for a week and it was super hot out. And she was like, all right, you go and you go to this camp. You do all the grunt work that it takes to take care of a horse and you ride while you're there. And then after that week, you tell me if you want to ride horses. Dude, I did that entire week. I was the happiest camper alive. And as soon as I was done, I was like, all right, when are we going back? And then that just like rocket shift the entire thing. Definitely. So what kind of um, tell us a little bit about like how you got into like jumping and competing more specifically and then maybe how you started um creating content around that what was that like sort of that creative process where you were like oh i kind of i can start you know creating content and find this niche in the horse world so it wasn't really that wasn't really in my mindset like how can i turn this into like a content thing because i was so young i was in boarding school when i started my instagram account um I had, okay, so I had been riding for like, let's say like nine years. And then, and I was still running on my hands and feet like a horse. Keep that in the back of your heads. <laughs> um, and so I was in boarding school and I started my Instagram account. I wasn't allowed to have one. Um, but as soon as I went to boarding school, I made one because everyone had one. And I started posting videos of me running on my hands and feet like a horse. Now this is like baby Instagram. This is kind of like when it first came out. And I think it was like uh, when they just added videos and so I started posting videos of me running on my hands and feet like a horse and I was gaining like a thousand followers a day. Um, and I was, how old are you when you're in eighth grade? I was like maybe 12, 13, 13, I was like 14. 13. Yeah. And, um, I was, I was gaining all these followers as a 13 year old, having no idea like how to handle this at all. But it was fun because I was getting all this tension as a 13 year old, you know, I thought I was something and so I did that and I gained like 15,000 followers, maybe 20,000 just from jumping like a horse alone. And when I moved back to Florida after boarding school, you know, my riding career got way more serious because Wellington is like where it's at. It's horse Mecca. All the pros, everyone from all over the world comes to compete in Wellington. Um, so I 
was posting all the all I stopped posting the the jumping videos, right? The handsome feet stuff. I stopped doing that. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> and I just started posting strictly horse videos because that started getting more intense. I was an ice skater at the time too, and my mom was like, "You got to pick one. Like we can't do both of these." Um, so I was like, "Obviously, I'm gonna stick with the horses because I was more into the horses than I was into skating. I had started skating like way later down the road. So I was like, "Obviously, we're gonna stick with the horses." So I quit ice skating. And then riding got so intense because, you know, I went from riding in Virginia, which is just like, you know, not many big riders are in Virginia, to riding in Wellington. Now, my mom and I really didn't have any idea how big it was here. I think my mom had an idea, but like once we were in it, then we were like, wait, this is like way bigger than we think it is. But my mom was super competitive. So she was like, if we're doing this, like we're going to go all the way. That's crazy. Yeah, so crazy. So tell us a little bit about, you know, the horse world from like a viewer standpoint, somebody that doesn't really know that much about it. Tell us sort of like your opinion on like the backstory behind that. Like what goes into jumping a horse, doing all that kind of thing? Well, you need a lot of money. (laughs) This is not a sport for cheap people. It's just not something you can make money in either. Um, So if you don't have some type of money backing this, you're not going anywhere. And people in the horse world fight this all the time. They're like, oh, well, you can actually make it places without money in the horse world. It's, you can do it with just pure skill. No, you really can't. Like you absolutely can't. Like you need a good horse to be competing at this level. You know, you can, you can compete, but it'll be at like a C rated show or a local show in your, in your state, wherever you're at. But in Wellington, if you want to travel the circuit yearly, you need money costs about 50,000 a year just to take care of the horse alone. And that's without the horse. And with the horse, it's probably like ranging from like a hundred grand to up to $7 million. You know, you can get like some really nice horses. Um, But to compete, um, just to enter one round for two minutes could cost you a thousand to $8,000 just to enter into one round. And you're competing for a three day weekend. So you're probably doing a few classes. so if you don't have money, it's out of the picture for you, which is sucks. That's the biggest like toxic part of the whole horse world. It's just cause it's all about money. And that's why I've kind of turned away from it a little bit. I don't want to do com- competitions anymore because it's very ego ridden and there's so much money involved and it's just not healthy, especially when you're so young. I mean, you got like nine year olds out here riding like $150,000 horses. That's preposterous. Like they're riding cars. I mean, yeah, you got some people riding like Lamborghinis. Like this is not a cheap sport whatsoever. And a lot of people like just when you think of horse girl, like what do you think of? Ignore everything I've said, but like when you think of a horse girl, what do you think of? Just based off like TikTok. I mean, if you, I mean like just like pop culture, like yeah. horse girl type thing. You just think about like some cringy some stereotypical cringy yeah yeah horse girl that you know. runs on her hands and feet the viewers know that's what you think about when you think of a horse right okay no it's nothing like that you step one foot into those world you see like let me try to make a really good imagery here you've got top riders all over the world you've got just in wellington alone you've got people from 
all over the world in Europe, fucking Croatia, whatever, like just people from everywhere are coming into this tiny little, it's not even that tiny, it's pretty big, but for all of us, it's really small. Everywhere, there's horses everywhere and everyone's loaded. I mean, it's like a very elite sport and you're using these horses as like just a tool to get to where you want to go. You know, not a lot of people have like a connection with this animal. They're just like trading them in and out every nine months. Cause you know, oh, we have this like five-star Grand Prix coming up. Like I need three horses. I need one that's in working condition and then two for backup. You know, what if that horse goes lame? Okay, I need another one just in case. Just to get to the Olympics, it costs $10 million to get to the Olympics because you need six horses in your string. You need three that are working and then three for backup. So just that mindset alone, I mean, that's so toxic because these horses are being used as like a tool to get better in the sport. Now, when you're my age and you're like 13 competing against the pros, not against the pros, but like alongside with the pros, I mean, that's that's not a really good mindset to be surrounded around. Like, it's just not good to be surrounded about uh, with like all this money and you're so young, like, it was really, really bad. It was really toxic. But at the same time, you know, I had this Instagram that was like just popping off. And so I had that in the side. I got the, the money, my family, whatever, like all this was kind of just piling up into like one big toxic bubble. It was not good. But at the same time, it was such a good learning experience because if it weren't for all that, I wouldn't be who I am right now. And I've totally shunned all that now. Like I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. And that's why I probably would never compete again because I have so much more self-awareness for animals now. Um, but yeah. You don't want the toxic side of it. Absolutely you not. You don't want the, the animal, you don't want to be using the animal for personal gain, kind of like what you said. Yeah, absolutely. No, all if right. I, if I were to ever have a horse, it would just because like, I, I want to have like a nice farm and have like a horse, like a field ornament. We call yeah. them field ornaments um, where you just have like a bunch of horses in like a field and they just kind of like sit pretty. And then maybe you take them for like a trail ride if you want to, but like, you know, they live a nice happy life. Like yeah. that's what I would want if mm -hmm. I were to ever have horses again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about like the Instagram side of it. Cause we know that you, yeah. you were kind of popping on Instagram. You, you kind of built, like you said, you were like that first original horse girl and yeah. you, you built yourself a little. So empire there i did it was really weird because i was really young and it was so instinctual and i had no idea how i knew what i was doing but somehow i did i was literally the blueprint so this was when instagram was fairly new and um you know there weren't nowadays when you go on instagram you find horse video horse girls with like horse videos and them competing they're they're like horse career journey you know everyone's posting about it now but back then, like I was the only person, there were like a few, maybe like a few couple hundred, but like now every person that rides horses is documenting their journey. And so when I started, I started out as the jumping, oh my God. And then it turned into the horses. And I was probably at like 20,000 followers when I turned just solely into the horses. And I was putting myself out there unlike any other person had been doing it you know I was posting like promo videos for companies that were sending me products and like no one was doing that I was the only person that was doing it. I was making like crazy videos like with these horses like if I you know that like colored powder mm -hmm. yeah I would like take that to some video shoots and we'd like throw it all over the horse and stuff and like 
I mean, I got some heat. There was like this one video where I was promoting a pair of boots and these boots were like thousand dollar boots. I, everything in the horse world is so expensive. Even just like the boots, the pants, the helmet all range to about a thousand dollars. And so I had, uh, actually that right there, see that Fabri? Mm-hmm. That little picture right there, that's actually the company that I was promoting the boots for. Okay. He sent me a pair of boots and I was like, all right, I'll make a promo video for you. It got so much heat because I used my dad's Bentley, you know, in the video. But I mean, like, why would I promote a thousand dollar boots with like a Prius or something? It just doesn't make sense. If you're going to promote a Rolex, you're going to promote it with like a Rolls Royce or something. So same concept. Like I was trying to do the same thing. It's, and a, it's a high class product. You were building a high it's class It's also production. an elite sport, yeah. but people hated that video. And I contacted the guy and I was like, hey, listen, like we're getting a lot of heat on this promo video. Like, but in my opinion, all press is good press. He took it like a champ. He gave no f-s. but it got so much heat and so much attention that now look, his, his things there. Everyone knew about the brand already, but like, it just, it turned so much attention to him. And it was so, it's so weird how content like that works because, um, you know, whether it's good press or bad press, you know, there's attention and there's people looking at that brand now. And that's kind of how I like navigated with the rest of my content. I would just be like, okay, like how can I get more people to look at this brand by this video? And I would do like really crazy stuff. Like I would do like the whole modeling thing and so many people in the horse world like look down on it because it was just like not professional. But at the same time, like when I was creating content, it worked. Like I, I had the only Instagram account that was like really popping off when it came to content. And so I was like the, I was the blueprint for the horse girl. When you think of a horse girl or an equestrian and the Instagram aspect, I was the blueprint. I was the one popping off. No one else was doing the kind of stuff that I was doing with their horse and many people can do it. I just think that people are too insecure about their self image and what people will say about them. Because, I mean, a lot of people saw how much heat I got growing up doing this kind of stuff. So I think people are too scared to, like, get that kind of reaction from people. So they don't do it. Mm -hmm. But if they did, the amount of, like, attention they'd get from it would be unreal. Because Mm -hmm. that's what people want to see. They want to see that kind of, like, interesting content that nobody else is going to do. But people are too scared to do it. Mm -hmm. And I can, you can just see it. But, like, everyone's posting videos of them riding their horse because that's what they're confident in. Oh, I'm, I'm riding my horse whether they're good or not they know that they're they're comfortable posting that content. Even then some people like shit on you for like how you're riding, but like that happens everywhere. So like they take it with a grain of salt, but when it comes to your self image and like promoting content, stuff like that, um, or promoting companies, products, no one's gonna do it. Yeah, and it's about like taking that risk and having the ability to stomach the hate yeah. with it. It yeah, comes yeah, along yeah. a lot of people, you know, like a lot of my friends, you know, people I've had recently on the podcast, like Will Savory, Christian Demay, like those kids that are doing, you know, bodybuilding and that stuff. I'm sure that they get it too. Yeah. You know, on TikTok or 100%. whatever, what have you. But they just do it anyway. But they do it anyway because it's not about the hate. And yeah. some people can't stomach the hate and take risks within their, you know, content creation and their journey with content creation. So I think that's probably why you stood out. Yeah. My mom always told me, she was like, with every like hundred people that support you, you're always going to have like that one hater. And she told me that when I was like really, really young. And I just, I never gave a fuck. I never did. So I, that, I feel like that's really the only reason why my content was booming and nobody else was. Mm -hmm. I, I can see people trying, but I tell them, I'm like, dude, just follow the blueprint. Like literally just do what I did and 
your accounts will blow up. Yeah. Some people don't really care to do it. And that's, I mean, that's fine. Just post videos, you're riding horses. But if people were really passionate about doing what I did, do what I did, like literally follow exactly what I did. Mm. And because people ask me, they're and like, put your own spin on it, right? Yeah. Like how, if you want companies to reach out to you, cause they will, I have never once reached out to a company and been like, Hey, I have a few times actually, that's a lie. I've reached out to a company before and been like, Hey, let me promote your products, whatever. But that was already by the time I was like, I had a, a backing, a following. I had like some type of notoriety to mm -hmm. like show that I could promote their stuff. You had a work. portfolio of right. previous Exactly. But like I never once before that had reached out to a company. They had all reached out to me and I did it almost on purpose because like I had the confidence that I was going somewhere and it worked. Companies were like, okay, I want her to promote my stuff. Um, I'm still on the cover of Maylord's website. I don't know why. I mean, I haven't written in years, but they still have me as the cover of their website. And they were one of um, my my biggest like brands that I supported. They shot off every single rider in the horse world has a mate lore bag. It's just like a ring bag. It carries your helmet and all your other stuff. But like all the riders are using them now. And I was I was their spokesperson. I was like one of the first people that they uh, they had come on or they had me come on and do a photo shoot with them in their studio. And then I did promo videos and I took photo shoots with their bags ever since. And yeah, I love their bags though. They're so sick. Yeah, that's cool. Definitely want to do something like that. That's kind of like motivating for me. Like you kind of got to that point where you had built that content mm -hmm. to the point where you had, you know, people that you, you know you were you were able to promote a product that you love. Yeah. Um, I only I only promoted stuff that I actually liked. Yeah. You know, you don't want to promote things that you like actually don't uh, like. You wouldn't use. Yeah, and or just like, like for the money. Right, it, yeah. and fake it. Like you can't do that. Yeah, you no. can't. You have to like be honest and promote things that you actually would use, and yeah. that's super important. Definitely. So what do you think with content creation? What do you think your biggest like setback was as far as I do you think it was maybe the haters or the ego? I took that notoriety. Now keep in mind I was really young and I had all this following and I had all this notoriety. Now I was really good at directing it into like ways where it would benefit people, but it was like you know, I was suffocating on the inside, you know, like I was portraying this fairy tale lifestyle of, you know, I have these gorgeous horses, I have these nice ring bags, these $500 breeches, $1,000 boots, like, um, like, wow, look at me. Yeah. Look at me. Like I, I have it all. And people, some people really liked it. They were like, wow, your confidence is like unmatched whatever. But like on the inside, I'm like, I'm struggling with school. I'm not getting along with my family. You know, like there were so many things falling apart behind like this, uh, this facade, mm -hmm. um, there was a group of girls actually that were alongside with me when I did this. I went to school with them as well. Um, but because of the, um, what people say about horse girls, like the pop culture about horse girls, they didn't mm -hmm. want anyone at school knowing that they rode horses. So I'm not gonna mention their names, but uh, I put them on the map too. Like I would promote their Instagram accounts and I would hype them up. Um, but everyone is always so secretive about it. They're like, don't tell anybody I ride horses. You know, it's so- Because it, of the stigma. And because the of the stigma. Yeah. And, but I never really cared. So I was so open about it, but um, it was like my backbone. So I had always thought it, like one of my friend's accounts got deleted and I had always thought I was like, damn, like if my Instagram account got deleted, this is like when I was in my prime and like everything was popping off. I was like, if my Instagram account got deleted, like, I don't know what I would do. Cause it was like my backbone against this whole stigma inside and outside of the horse world. 
I was like, I don't know what I would do. I think I would like literally fall apart. Mm. And it ended up actually happening when my dad cut me off. Um, so that is a really negative aspect to the whole Instagram content. You have to have a really good sense of self and like who you are and what are you portraying to mm. like this audience. And because I was so young, I didn't know that. Like I was promoting a fairy tale. Mm. This is a fairy tale. And you know, I always made it like, oh, nothing's going wrong. Like and just like a lot of influencers these days, like their lives are perfect and that's what it looks like. But that's so toxic because that's not yeah. reality at all. Mm -hmm. And you there's know? a lot going on behind the scenes, I think for everybody that yeah. you kind of just can't see on an Instagram page. You can't really see that on a post. And that should be talked about, you know, like, yeah. because people with like mental, mental health or like mental health issues, sorry. They, they look at these people and they're like, okay, what's wrong with me? Like, why can't yeah, I why have can this? I, yeah. Dude, and that's that's so bad. Like, you can't think like that because this is fake. It's so fake. Mm -hmm. I remember one of the girls in our group, the this like friend group that I had, one of the girls that I went to school with, they actually got into like a serious altercation, like a really bad fight. And we had never spoke like outside of school or like we didn't even text each other, like no communication whatsoever. If we saw each other at a horse show and I had a photographer with me, we would take pictures together and keep this like facade of us being like a good friend group or whatever, whether she knew it or not, maybe she did. I have no idea. We didn't communicate that to each other, but we'd keep up this like look that we are like friends, but we were not friends at all. You know, I have this like picture of her and I like, we're on our horses, we're in the ring together and we're hugging each other on top of the horses fakest photo I have in my entire camera roll. It, it's it's really bad. So that's a really toxic trait to this whole horse thing and the whole Instagram thing. But if you have a good sense of self and you have a positive message you want to portray, do it. Definitely. And then follow the, the blueprint, but like do it in a positive way. Cause the way that I did it was so ego ridden. So if you could go back, right? Yeah. And tell yourself that, mm -hmm. would you? Would that, be, would that be the thing? I can't say that that older self would listen, but a hundred percent, if mm -hmm. I could go back in time and change it, I would have a way more positive message that I would put out along with having all this like blessing in my life to mm -hmm. be able to do this. Cause I, you know, my parents were really fortunate. So I would go back and change the message completely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So where do you see yourself probably in like 10 years or where do you want to be? What are your goals moving forward? So my success is defined by happiness. And I think this is part of the message that I would portray, you know, back then. Um, my mindset now, happiness is the only thing I care about. Like I just wanna be strictly happy and I wanna make other people around me happy. So right now, um, my dad cut me off when I was 18, the horses stopped. Um, I moved around a little bit and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I always knew that college was like, not in the sights for me. Like I never, I never wanted to go to college. I have a very entrepreneurial mindset. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm not gonna go to college. I, I almost took like a gap year, if you will. Um, and I moved around. And so since I grew up in Wellington and competing in Wellington, you step out of the state and go literally anywhere. I went to Virginia, Texas, and Kentucky. And I just went to Barnes and said, hey, I rode in Wellington. Can I come ride your horses? Dude, they'll take you in a heartbeat. So anybody who's riding in Wellington, literally, if you want to pursue that as like, you want to be a trainer or what have you, literally just go anywhere else, live like shit and just 
ride at somebody's barn if you're really passionate about it. And if your parents aren't supporting you, it's so easy. It sounds really hard, but like once you step out and do it, it's the easiest thing you'll ever do. You go out, you live like shit, and you just ride these people's horses and they'll pay you. They'll be like, oh, she rides in Wellington? Okay, bring her here. Like ride our horses, please. Cause they know that's where the top training is. So I did that. I rode in, I love Texas. I rode in Texas for a majority of like my quote unquote gap year. And um, it was a really good experience because I, I learned that I didn't want to be a trainer. Like, I just don't want to do that. You have some kids that come in that really, really want it and they learn really fast and that's when it's fun. But then you get kids that just come in and they just like the idea of horses and they're just kind of like sitting on top of the horse and they're like, oh my God. And they're telling you about their day at school and it's cute, but you're just babysitting someone's kid for the hour. So it, that's where it's just like, come on, like this is not what I want to be doing. Yeah. Um, and then COVID hit and I moved back home for quarantine and my search on what I wanted to do began again. And so now I'm dog grooming and I absolutely loved it. I've always kind of worked around dogs. Even before I moved, I was working at like a doggy daycare. Um, it was really poorly run, but um, I liked working around the dogs, you know, like you're, I just, I'll always work around animals. So now I'm dog grooming, I'm contracted for two years. So I'm gonna move to, I'm gonna transfer for work to Colorado because I also want to live out in like the mountains and be around nature and whatnot and be like a little ski bum or something mm -hmm. while working. Um, but yeah, I'm super excited for that. It's, that should be happening by the end of August. Definitely. So yeah. you're just kind of ready to kind of move on to yeah. different, you know, landscape, different things. Well, Florida's just so toxic. You know, the people here are so superficial. And I, I want to have like lifelong friends, people mm -hmm. that are like really genuine and like actually care about your well-being. That's what I want. And I've talked to a few people in Colorado and they're all like, just from the very few conversations that I've had, they are so genuine and so nice. And they mm -hmm. like, they're just, you could just tell they're so cool. Yeah. So I'm really excited about it. Definitely. Yeah. I think for the most part you are right. But at the same time, like if you just surround yourself with like the right people you know it takes it takes a lot of guts to you know move on from people or you know and sometimes it sucks when you know people switch up on you yeah um you gotta a lot just of people trust talk about that it. yourself is gonna get through it yeah and i feel like these like early 20 late teen years um for like our kind of age group um it's kind of the those years where like either you know sometimes people switch up on you or you kind of recognize that maybe like someone isn't like the right friend for you or maybe you shouldn't surround yourself with those people because yeah. you're like a product of your environment absolutely at the end of the day. yeah um but to some extent i do agree with you i feel like florida some people live this like superficial We're just a different breed here some people live like a, a superficial instagram yeah. social media life so i thrived here for a little while when i was doing all that instagram stuff yeah. but once i kind of hit my spiritual awakening and was like this is just not for me and it hasn't been for a long time. Like I've known that like Florida is just not where I'm gonna settle. Mm. Um, so then I was thinking of moving to Arizona cause that's like one of the, like the top, like I think it's like the highest vibrational frequency like in any other state or something like that. I don't know, but I've always wanted to visit there. So I was deciding between Arizona and Colorado cause I've moved around a little bit already, um, but I'm so young so like I didn't want to waste my time with going to college and you really don't need college. I feel like a lot of people go to college just because they're scared to branch out like that and scared to travel because they're like, oh, well, what if I don't have the finances? Like 
Oh God, the stuff I did when I was like literally living like shit. Like I had $500 in my bank account. I bought my dog because I knew I had a, a check coming in the next week. And I lived off like $100 for like a week because I bought a dog. <laughs> like I was not careful with my finances and yeah. I still did it. Like, I mean, now we're more secure, but yeah, definitely you, need you can to rough some, it, Yeah, you know? But I mean, you can rough it, but to some extent at the same time, you know, people always make those like financial mistakes. Mm -hmm. You know, my dad would always harp to me like, you know, you know, don't run your credit card up. And he would tell me the stories and like yeah. say it. And, you know, it's it's about like growing up and becoming more like financially literate as you're Absolutely. moving on and taking risks. It's super important. It's yeah. so important. Yeah. I'm still learning, but I've gotten a lot better with it. I've made a lot of financial mistakes. <laughs> yeah. I, I think everybody has, you know, growing up, it just kind of happens. You it's the best way to learn, honestly. Like learn the hard way. I have yeah. always done that my whole life. I think it's the best way to learn. I know a lot of people are very like be secure, da, 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 da. But like I've learned that like, you know, learning the hard way for me is just the best way to learn. You'll never forget that way. But if yeah. you have like a lot of people just chirping in your ear being like, do this, do this, do this. Like it's, you're just never going to learn because you're always following other people that, you know, they'll live vicariously through you. And, mm -hmm. you know, then you're just going to be really unhappy because you're not living like your authentic self. Yeah. You know? And college definitely is just not the way for everybody. For like, your vacation. I tell, I tell all my friends that are like people that I know, like growing up and going to high school, like some of the ones that tell me like, Hey, I'm not going to college or I don't know what I'm going to do or this or that. I'm like, a, you're not Branch supposed to out. have it figured out. Yeah. And B, if you already know that you're not going to go to college and it's not for you, you're winning. You already won yeah. the decision right there. Dude, Boom. I mean, it's so much pressure on like having to know what you need. Like you need to know what you want to do for the rest of your life right you now. Yeah, That's don't. crazy. Ridiculous. But the stigma and the pressure that everyone's putting on each other, like, come yeah. on, give us all a break. Ridiculous. It's sad. Definitely some takeaways there for the younger viewers. You know, you don't yeah. have to have it all figured out. You know, right take now. a deep breath, take a step back. And I mean, I was 19 moving to like Texas and Kentucky, not knowing what the fuck I was going to do. Yeah. And it was terrifying. Don't get me wrong, but like I did it scared and it was the best experience of my life. Yeah. I don't think anyone could gain that kind of experience by going to college. Yeah. You're moving away from home, but like you're fine. And you're around like a ton of other people that are in the same boat as you. But when you do it like for real alone, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. So tell let's sum it up here tell the viewers one saying one thing that you could tell your legacy yep <laughs> what would you what would you leave behind if you died today and this is the only thing that people could remember you yeah by? you're gonna die so if you're gonna die today what would you do that would make you extremely happy and i live by that like every single day okay i could go drive into an intersection and a freight train hits me it's really deep honestly but like people need to have that mindset because it could happen at any second. Life is so fragile. So like, if you're going to die, like, what are you going to do? That's going to make you happy. Cause you know, you never know when it's going to happen, but you know, what are you going to do about it? Are you mm. going to continue it? Like continue to have people live by curiously through you, or are you going to go do what you actually want to do and go rough it in Texas? Like yeah, yeah. what's going to make a you risk? Yeah. Take a risk because you could die in like five years from now and are you gonna be on your deathbed and be like damn like i wish i did this 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 and that like d regret is the ultimate poison yeah. like it you i don't ever want to like sit on my deathbed and be like damn like i wish i stayed in the horse world and kept up with that fairy tale lifestyle i mean even just me saying that that sounds preposterous you would never want that you know 
I want to be able to say I'm so glad that I didn't continue with the horse world even though like my soul screams to ride a horse but like I am so happy that I changed my mindset and my outlook on it so if you're gonna if you're gonna die what's gonna make you happy and just take that action and do it definitely Liana thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you and a great guest we'll definitely come back again maybe after Colorado thank you yeah maybe I'll, maybe you I'll come up going. and come uh, snowboarding with you please anytime <laughs> oh my gosh all right thank you so much